The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, we have, um, our family, we have multiple friends who throw a, a 4th of July party on the 3rd of July every single year, which means that every single year we receive conflicting invitation to said 4th of July parties. Has this ever happened to you? Do you ever get conflicting invitations maybe from a, a couple of friends, right? and now you have this like have to enter into this painstaking process of deciding which invitation to, to kindly decline and which invitation to accept. Well, it happens to us every year, and, and it's, it's going to happen to us today in our passage. In our passage today, we'll, we'll see, and, and I think it's safe to say we will receive two conflicting invitations. And see, I on the 4th of July, I'm all about just going to one place and like staying. Like I'm not going to do like the tour of parties, right? And, and, and rest assured, today, these two invitations, these are not invitations that you can't hit, you can't hit both of these up. These are, these are invitations that are absolutely exclusive and conflict one another. And look, unlike my family's annual 3rd of July dilemma, which is a decision between two or three really good choices, our decision today um, is, is much more serious. Not between two good options and, and brings with it some, some fairly serious and heavy consequences. And so this is what we're going to find as we dig into Proverbs chapter 9. Now, uh, today we wrap up this first unit, this prologue of the book of Proverbs. Commentator David Hubbard describes Proverbs 9 in this way. He, he describes it as an envelope within an envelope. An envelope within an envelope. Just take, take a few minutes. I know that's like envelope inception. An envelope tucked into an envelope. And so let, let's, let's open the envelopes. We'll start with the the outside envelope first. First, we have chapter 9, along with chapter 1, creating an envelope around these first nine chapters of Proverbs. If you go all the way back to Proverbs chapter 1, you'll see some key parallels with our text this morning. For example, Proverbs 1.7, which says, A fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Proverbs 9.10 from our passage, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's an envelope, bookends. Or we could go to Proverbs 1.20, where we see that wisdom cries aloud in the streets. It's the first time that we see wisdom speak. In the market, she raises her voice. How long, O oh simple ones? Who's she calling out to? She's calling out to the simple ones. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? We even see mention of scoffers, which we see in our passage. And then we have Proverbs 9, verses 3 and 4, where we see woman wisdom cry out as well. 
We see, see that she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. And, and, and here's the call of woman wisdom. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. You see, in, in a way, Proverbs 9 brings us right back to where we started in Proverbs 1. And in doing so, the author, remember Solomon writes here, as a father writing to his son. And as he writes here in Proverbs 9, he brings his son and all of us who now read through the son's vantage point to a place where he must make a decision with respect to everything that the father has taught him so far. A decision that will prepare him to hear what he has to say in the rest of of the book of Proverbs as well. And so this decision, it's, it's a critical decision. And in other words, the, the entire book of Proverbs up to this point has been leading us to Proverbs 9. And, that, and that's not just because Proverbs 9 follows 8, which follows 7 and 6, but because it, it forces us to answer an all-important question, and that is this, will you listen to and accept the Father's teaching? Will you heed the Father's warnings and follow His counsel? Or will you reject it and cast it aside? That brings us then to the inside envelope, Proverbs 9 itself. And as we open this envelope, we're going to see, first of all, two invitations. Two invitations, which kind of creates the... Uh, the external part of the envelope. This, this is the, the, the buns on the hamburger. These are the brackets. Proverbs 9, we have two, two parallel but contrasting dinner invitations. One from woman wisdom at the beginning and one from woman folly at the end of the chapter. And then sandwiched in between these, inside this envelope, we are encouraged, I might even say forced, to make a decision. In verses 7 through 12, which without directly asking a question, force us to answer a question and make a choice. And the, the, the question, the big question, not just the, the big question of chapter 9, but what I think is the big question of chapters 1 through 9 is this, which will you choose? Woman wisdom or woman folly? And if you're sitting here today, this is a question that you have to do business with. This is a question that all of us need to answer. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, if you're young or if you're old, if you've been walking with Jesus for two weeks or two decades. This is a choice we all must make. And I want to encourage us, and I think Solomon wants to encourage us as well. We should choose wisely. And so to, in order to, to do so, to, to help us to do so, let's first take a look at the two invitations. Now you might have noticed as Marty was reading that, that there are a number of similarities between these two invitations. On the one hand, we have wisdom personified once again as woman wisdom, extending her invitation in verses 1 through 6, 
at the beginning of the passage. On the other hand, we have folly personified, extending her invitation at the end of the passage in verses 13 through 18. And the first parallel that we see is, is a house. Do you notice each of these accounts of, of the imitations contain a house? We see that wisdom built her house and that folly sits at the door of her house. And then in verses 3 and 14, we see mention of the highest places in town. Woman wisdom, she sends young women to call from the highest places in town, whereas woman folly takes a seat on the highest places in town. And then in verses 4 and 16, I think the most striking similarity, because it's, it's an exact similarity, we see that woman wisdom and woman's folly's invitation begin with the same exact words in verse 4 and verse 16. They're Invitations both begin like this. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. And then the rest of the, 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 rest of the invitation follows. Now, now notice here, pay careful attention to the audience of both of these invitations. Who are the invitees? Does Wisdom, does woman wisdom have a different audience in mind than woman folly? No. They're both extending their invitation to the exact same audience. Those who are simple. Simple ones. And I, I think that Proverbs properly understood would lead us to, to assume that, that this is us. This is all of us who, who shouldn't see ourselves as, as wise in our own eyes but should desire to grow in wisdom. And so, woman wisdom, woman folly, they, they call out to the same audience. And then finally, each of these women has food and drink to offer. Each of these women has food and drink to offer. Woman wisdom in verse 5, woman folly in verse 17. Now, these parallels are intended... Not to, to highlight the similarities between the two dinner invitations, rest assured, but rather to highlight their differences. The parallels are intended to help us to see the differences between the two. And so let's, let's do that now. Let, let's highlight some of the differences. Now, now, we begin with woman wisdom. And we see that she has gone to great lengths to prepare the house for her invited guests. Look at verse 1. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has set her table. Now contrast this with woman folly, who, we're told, simply sits passively and idly at the door of her house and on the highest places in town, calling to passersby. Now, it's, it's worth noting at this point that what we just read in chapter 8, I don't know if you remember this from, from last week, we, we just read in chapter 8 about the Lord as creator, didn't we? We read about the Lord and the, and the creation of the heavens and the earth, and we're told that the Lord created all things and, and that wisdom was there while he did so. 
We're told that the Lord delighted in wisdom, that wisdom rejoiced in the Lord and delighted in his creation. You see, wisdom was there when the Lord created the cosmos, created the heavens and the earth. It's interesting then in verse 1 that we see woman wisdom do some creating and some building of her own. When we see that wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars. And I, I think one of the things that we can expect is that woman wisdom has built a house that operates in line with the world that the Lord has created. She's built a house that operates according to how he has willed and designed and ordered the world to work. And we're going to see that fleshed out in the rest of her invitation. You see, the Lord has created and designed the world to go in a particular way. And so, and as the world goes, as God's created order goes, so goes wisdom's house. Contrast this with woman folly, who we're told is seductive and knows nothing. This should should perk our ears a bit because it's not the first time we've read about a seductive woman in Proverbs, is it? We've spent a fair amount of time focusing in on the Father's teaching about this seductive woman. In Proverbs 2, we were briefly introduced to the forbidden woman. And then in Proverbs 5 through 7, we read even more about this woman, this time described as an adulterous woman. And as it turns out, not only does Proverbs use the forbidden woman to give us literal instruction about adultery and about sin, but now it comes clearly into view. The forbidden woman is also being used metaphorically by Proverbs. Forbidden woman, she's being used metaphorically by Proverbs to teach us about the seductive and smooth tongue of woman folly. Who doesn't ponder or care about the ways of, of the world or God's created order or his design for human flourishing. I, I encourage you to, to go back and, and to read Proverbs 5 through 7 with, through this lens. Consider woman folly as you read these chapters. There's much to learn about the allure of folly and the allure of the temptation to sin. And so this this plays out as we contrast the invitations from these two women. We see that woman wisdom is active in her pursuit, sending out her young women to call from the highest places in town and invite those who hear to her feast. There's this heralding of the good news of this invitation. Shouting it from the rooftops. Contrast this then with woman folly who conversely we see calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Who does folly target? Those who are passing by, minding their own business, not intending to stray, but rather going straight on their way. They they might be simple-minded, you see, but they are walking a, a particular path, and what does she do? She calls to those who pass by, going straight on their way. You see, her entire strategy is to distract 
and get the attention of those who never intended to go to her house and to seduce them to come in her house. I wonder if you've ever noticed this in your own life. When, when you're just minding your own business, going straight on your own way, when woman folly, so to speak, unexpectedly calls out and grabs your attention. It's like temptation comes as if from out of nowhere. And before you know it, you're in the middle of a battle. You've been distracted from the straight path by the temptation of, of folly and sin. And listen to the appeal that folly makes. She says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water, sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. One commentator, in commenting on these verses, insightfully points out this. This is so good. He says, all sin, all folly, it would seem, are temptations to acquire legitimate created goods, sex, wealth, honor, power, by illegitimate means. Temptations to acquire legitimate created goods by illegitimate means. This is a seductive and alluring power of sin and folly. It asks the question, what do you want? What do you want? And then it goes a step further and convinces you, you know what? That's really something you should have. You deserve it. No, you need it. And then it offers you a way to have it, to take it by illegitimate means. You want compliance and obedience in your home? Just take it. Take it. Through anger and intimidation. If you make yourself big enough and scary enough, your kids don't stand a chance. You want sexual pleasure? You can have as much of it as you want. Here's some pornography. You want the approval and acceptance of others? Get it by pretending to be someone they like. And gossip about others to keep the focus off of yourself. You want relief from your pain? Is that what you want today? Maybe it's physical pain, maybe emotional pain. You can have it. Just, just numb yourself. Just numb the pain. The alcohol will take it away. The shopping, the food, the Netflix, the 70-hour work week. Woman folly. She's tempting. She says, stolen water is sweet. And look, no one needs to know but us. Bread eaten in secret, it's, it's pleasant. This is what I have to offer you. And look, I, 
I know that woman folly's invitation is tempting because I, I feel it too. But let me assure you, let, let Proverbs 9 assure you this morning that wisdom's invitation is better in every possible way. Her invitation isn't to take by illegitimate means, but to dine on the meal that she has prepared for you. And it's better than Folly's meal. Once again, in, in every possible way. Notice Folly offered stolen water and bread. How many of you are dying for some water and bread tonight for dinner? While wisdom... What does she set her table with? She set her table with the meat that she slaughtered, the bread that she made, and the wine that she mixed. Brothers and sisters, wisdom, woman wisdom, is offering us a feast today. She offers a feast, one that promises to satisfy in ways that Folly's bread and water never can. And we see that ultimately Folly's invitation leads to death, but wisdom's invitation leads to life and flourishing. Wisdom says in, in verse 6, leave your simple ways and what? Live. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. The invitation is to come, to dine, to feast, to be satisfied, and to live. While folly's invitation, while we pull back the curtain, on the sweet water and the pleasant bread leads to death. Verse 18. But he does not know, he being her unexpected guest, does not know that the dead are there. The bodies are already piled up in the basement. The dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. It's a meal that leads straight to hell. Jesus echoes this idea in John 10, a passage where he describes himself as the good shepherd. And in verse 10 of chapter 10, he says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life. Abundant life. That's what the father is calling his son to in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And that's what our heavenly father is calling us to in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. He's, he's calling us to feast upon his teaching and to walk in it and to live a thriving and abundant life. Listen, not necessarily an easy and a comfortable life, but an abundant life. And he's calling, calling us to, to choose, or rather to, to choose to reject his teaching and instead walk the path of, of sin and foolishness. This is a path that goes in the exact opposite direction of, of life, of abundant life. We've seen this over and over again in the book of Proverbs. Despite the immediate gratification that it promises, Death and destruction are what await. This could be physical death and destruction, but, but certainly includes spiritual death and spiritual destruction. And, and so here we have these two invitations. 
sitting before us. And now a choice needs to be made. We need to choose wisely, don't we? Well, that brings us to to the meat at the very center of our passage this morning, verses 7 through 12, which are going to lead us to make our choice today. Look, I want to be just very clear at the beginning of of this point to, to make sure that we know exactly who the text confronts with this decision. I agree with one scholar, Tremper Longman, who makes it very clear that that it's all of us. He says, as we read Proverbs today, we can see how, beneath the imagery, we are all part of the audience addressed by these two women. To read this book correctly, we must all, men and women, young and old, place ourselves in the position of that uninformed audience. We need to make a decision. Follow wisdom, follow folly. Follow wisdom or follow folly. So then let let me ask, which which will you choose? How how will you respond to the Father's teaching this morning? Will you choose the path of, of wisdom? Or will you choose the path of foolishness and, and join the ranks of of the scoffers. That's what verses 7 through 12 do. They they, they set the response of the wise man up against the response of the foolish scoffer. And perhaps you've already made a decision and and you don't even realize that these verses are going to help us to diagnose. And so we see the scoffer on the one hand not only hates correction, but hates the one who offers it. Read this in, in verse 7. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who repu- reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. You know the type, don't you? This is someone you offer honest feedback to. Someone you honor, some, some constructive criticism to in, in love. Maybe even, maybe even you go to great lengths to, to share it gently. And what's their response? They immediately bristle. And they get angry and they respond defensively. Maybe even they take a cheap shot and, and, and they make it personal. Well, look, maybe you don't know the type because you are the type. Reproof a wise man, on the other hand, we read in, in verse 8 that he will love you. He will love you. Why? What's the difference? Give instruction to a wise man, verse 9, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. It's because the wise person knows that correction and instruction is how one becomes wiser. This is how one learns, how one grows, how one matures over time. This is how we become more and more and more like Jesus. This is a path of repentance and faith. You see, the the interesting thing about this decision between wisdom and folly is this, that it's it's both a one-time decision and an ongoing decision. It's both a a one-time decision and an ongoing decision. And so we 
We're making a one-time decision. Do I, I join the, the ranks of the wise or the scoffers? And, and we're constantly asking ourselves this question, or, or at the very least, we're constantly answering this question day after day after day, moment after moment after moment. Think, think about it like a, a wedding day versus a marriage. On a on the wedding day, husband and wife make and act on a final decision to be wedded together. They, they exchange vows. They enter into the covenant of marriage together. It, it's a one-time thing. A commitment intended to last a lifetime. And, and, and bearing something like a divorce, right? That we, we don't see a married couple while we do have things like vow renewal ceremonies, we, we, we don't see couples getting remarried year after year after year. It's, it's, it's a one-time decision. It's a one-time vow. But look, that, that's not the end of the story for a married couple, is it? A wedding day isn't um, the end of the recipe for a successful marriage. Sure, the wedding day is important because that's the day when two become one. When man and woman become husband and wife. But look, a great wedding day and the exchanging of vows doesn't ensure a thriving marriage. In order to maintain a healthy marriage, this couple, they have to work on it. They have to make a commitment each and every day to pursue oneness with one another. To love one another, to honor one another, to serve one another, to seek forgiveness from one another and extend forgiveness to one another, to sacrifice for one another, and so on and so forth. And so it's, it's the same, so to speak, with woman wisdom. There's a, a one-time decision to accept her invitation. There's a one-time decision to enter her home and begin a relationship with her. One of the, the commentaries I was, I was reading, they were pointing out that in the ancient Near Eastern culture that would have received this originally, that to receive an invitation to dine like this was, was an invitation to, to enter into a, an intimate relationship with another person. And so there's, there's a one-time decision to, to dine, to feast, to enter into relationship. But then there's an ongoing daily need to continue to choose her. Because what have we learned about woman folly? We learn that she's an adulteress and a temptress. She doesn't care about the wedding day. She just wants to destroy the marriage. You see, she doesn't care if you're wedded to woman folly, Christian, or woman wisdom, Christian. She'll gladly take a one-night stand. She'll gladly be that secret relationship that you have on the side. That's what she does. That's what folly does. That's what sin does. And that's why the father goes to such lengths to warn his son about her. Not just because sexual sin is, is a particular kind of temptation that he needs to be aware of. Yes, and amen. Proverbs 5 through 7. But he takes special care to warn his son about woman folly, that, that adulterous woman, that temptress. Because sin and folly are always waiting for an opportune time to enter into the picture and to wreak havoc. 
So then, the wise person must make an ongoing decision, a decision every day to continue walking the path of wisdom, accepting instruction and correction along the way, walking out repentance and faith along the way, trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins along the way. Yes, they they, they stand justified before God, clothed in his righteousness, and yet repentance and faith is a regular rhythm of the Christian as they seek to, to walk in the good works that have been created for them as his workmanship. So that then, that brings us to the question of how do we choose? So we're, we're sitting here and we know that there's a choice that needs to be made, but, but you might be asking the question, okay, how do I make my choice? How do I choose? How does one choose wisdom? What does that even look like? Well, that brings us to verse 10. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is the central focal point, not just of chapter 9, but along with the parallel verse in, in chapter 1, verse 7, which, which we read just a bit ago. This is the central focal point of the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. This, this verse, verse 10, along with chapter 1, verse 7, this, this is the focal point of the entire prologue. What's more than that, this is the focal point of the entire book of Proverbs. Bruce Waltke, another commentator, commenting on on the the parallel verse, Proverbs 1.7 says this. He says, it stands in front of the rest of the collection, the rest of the collection of, of Proverbs, as the quintessential expression of the basic spiritual grammar for understanding the book. In other words... You can't understand Proverbs without understanding one, uh, Proverbs 1.7 and Proverbs 9.10. You can't do Proverbs without understanding and doing Proverbs 1.7 and 9.10. You can't enter into woman wisdom's home. You can't feast with her without first understanding Proverbs 1.7. And here in our passage today, Proverbs 9.10, because this is where the quest for wisdom begins. This is, this is the, the most important aspect. This, this is, is primary in one's pursuit and quest for wisdom, knowledge of the Lord, fear of the Lord. Pastor Todd in week one contrasted what he called negative fear and positive fear. Do you remember this? His negative fear uh, was his fear of snakes. Just so you know, that fear is very real for Todd. Um, I, I also think snakes are weird, but, but for me, my primary negative fear is ticks. Disgusting little creatures. This is, yes. Uh, and this is um, the top 10 reasons that I don't go camping or hang out in the woods. Numbers one through 10, ticks. All kinds of ticks. But he, he contrasted this with a, a positive fear. A positive fear that that he said was made possible only through a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Worshiping him as God with humble awe and reverence. This is what positive fear looks like. Worshiping 
God as God, with, with a humble awe and a sense of reverence. It, it looks like trusting Him as Savior, fully dependent upon His grace and forgiveness for the sin and folly in which we have all walked at some point in time in our lives, many times over again. Submitting to Him as Lord, Striving to live a life of loving obedience to his word according to the wisdom of his created order by the power of his indwelling spirit. This is where wisdom begins. Knowledge of the Lord. Knowledge of the Holy One. Fear of the Lord. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 1. Paul writes this, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. We might even add, and folly to scoffers and folly to fools. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, to the simple-minded, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the power of God incarnate. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God incarnate. And without understanding and knowledge and fear of him, without relationship with him, without being reconciled to the Father through that relationship with him, you will never know wisdom. You will never be able to dine with woman wisdom. You will never be able to enjoy the feast. So then, let, let me ask, which will it be? Which will you choose? With whom will you dine? Woman wisdom or woman folly? And I mentioned this is no 4th of July party. These aren't 4th of July party steaks. And Solomon makes sure to, to drive that home in the, in the final two verses of, of this center section. He says, For by me your days will be multiplied and years be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. So I want to end with, with this by, by pointing out that, brothers and sisters, this is a deeply personal decision. What I mean by that is this, that no one can make this choice for you. You must choose for yourself. No one is going to do it for you. And you and you alone will bear the consequences of your decision. Will you choose abundant life, feasting with woman wisdom, trusting in Jesus? Or will you join the pile of bodies in woman folly's basement, walking the path of death? No one can make this decision for you, not your friends not the members of your gospel community, not your pastor, not your spouse, kids in the room, regardless of age, kids in the room, 
mom and dad ultimately can't make this decision for you. I want to appeal to you now to seek wisdom. Dine with woman wisdom. Trust in Jesus. What she has to offer is better. What woman folly offers, it's tempting, I know. But turn the other way. Turn the other way and join woman wisdom. And let me say this as well. To fail to make a decision is to make a decision. Failure to make a decision is a decision in and of itself. And it's a decision for folly. It's a decision to walk the path of foolishness and sin. As we read in, in chapter, or in, in, in verse 12, rather, you alone will bear the consequences of your decision, and I, mine. Proverbs has made it clear again and again and again what these consequences are. This is very much a life or death decision. Reject Christ and choose folly and die. Eternal death, eternal destruction. Trust in Jesus as your God and Savior and Lord and live. Abundant life from this day forth and forevermore. And so, if you're here with us today and you're not a Christian, or if you're here with us today and you're not sure if you are a Christian, this is where you have to start. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if, if you're here today, you're, you're not a Christian, how do you choose to walk the path of, of wisdom? Well, you, you trust in Jesus as your Savior and follow him as Lord. That's how you go about taking a seat at woman wisdom's table. That's how you accept her invitation. And look, if, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I, I want to encourage you to tend to marriage. Continue to walk in fear of the Lord. Fear and trust, reverence and awe. And beware of the temptation to be distracted by woman folly. Look, you know where you're most susceptible, don't you? You know where you're tempted to, to stray from that straight path? Tempted by that stolen water and the pleasant bread? Remember, she, this, is what, this is what Folly does. She, she sits at her door distracting those who pass by, going straight on their way. So let me encourage you. Continue in an ongoing, everyday kind of way to, to choose to accept woman wisdom's invitation. Continue walking the path of wisdom. Continue walking the path of faith in Jesus. Continue walking and living according to the created order that he has given us. Walking in obedience to his commands. Walking in, in fellowship with brothers and sisters who can encourage you and spur you on the path along the way. And look, if, if, if you've strayed, if you've strayed, if you've been seduced or tempted 
by woman folly in, in, in one way or another. And if you, you find yourself kind of unexpectedly in her home, drinking stolen water, eating bread in secret, today's the day to turn. Today's the day to repent. Today's the day to, to step back on the path of wisdom. Look, Jesus, this is why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross for your sin and your, and your folly, for my sin and my folly. Brothers and sisters, someone greater than Solomon is here. He's not just a wise man, not even the wisest man, but he's, he's power and he's wisdom in the flesh. And he wants to dine with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants, as Ray Ortland says, to beautify your life with his grace and his wisdom. Won't you join him? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we're grateful today for the the loving instruction and warning of a father as Solomon assumes this, this father, fatherly role writing to his son as we assume the position, the perspective of the son. Lord, we're, just, we're grateful for your instruction. We're, we're grateful for the wisdom that you've revealed to us, the knowledge that you've revealed to us in these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. Lord, thank you that you've not just given us some tips and tricks, some pro tips for how to live our, our, our best life now, how to live a better life now, Lord, but, but you've, you've revealed yourself to us. You've revealed your heart to us. Not only that, Lord, but you've, you've invited us into relationship with yourself. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we would see through the, the deception of woman folly's invitation. And that, Lord, we would hunger and thirst for the feast that woman wisdom has prepared for us. Lord, help us to walk with humble awe and reverence, trusting in Jesus, walking in humble obedience to his commands. Lord, help us to choose the path of wisdom today and every day until he comes back again. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.